Relying on someone who doesn't know you or your situation to give you specific financial advice is just plain dumb. That's why everything said on this show is just helpful information. If you want specifics, give us a call. All opinions expressed here are ours. GenWealth Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. On today's Get Ready for the Future show, it's all about preparing your portfolio and your retirement for the next recession, whether it's around the corner or miles down the road. Now, no strategy assures success, but we're talking about building an all-weather plan to stand up to turbulent times. This is the Get Ready for the Future Show. And welcome into another edition of the Get Ready for the Future Show, broadcasting all across the natural state. We welcome you in. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the weekend. My name is Scott Inman, and to my right, John Shrewsbury and Janet Walker, co-owners of Gen Wealth Financial Advisors. And in the fourth chair today, Austin Evans with us. Good morning to everybody around the table today. Good morning. Good morning. I guess uh, market volatility has been replaced in Arkansas by temperature volatility here <laughs> no over the last couple of days, right? Oh, you hot, know, hot earlier in the week, yes. cooler this uh, this weekend. So you know, you know, I wasn't on last week because yeah. I was out in San Diego. So when I left Arkansas, I flew to warmer weather in San Diego, hmm. and when I came back, I flew to warmer weather in Arkansas. <laughs> Where <laughs> so are you going next? I, no, I, <laughs> I'm following Florida, you. I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, it has been uh, warm in the middle of the week and cold again winter not through with us yet but in today's show talking about all the temperature bounces we're talking about bounces in the market and really more long term i I want to set this up you heard me in the intro say we're going to talk about recession recession proofing your retirement i struggle with that when we were talking about planning this show (laughs) yes you did i'm going to have a hard time saying this all through the the show now and first up and we're going to pick on you all through the show probably casey cue the laughter button (laughs) no strategy can assure success there's no question about that but we're talking about building an all-weather plan and 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 it is particularly vital to talk about where we are in the economic cycle today and you've heard us talk about it before this so-called perfect storm looming with rising interest rates and the effects negatively that has on bond prices. And we're at the end of a now almost 10-year-long bull market. Now, we don't think that that's happening imminently. We've talked about it on the Fastest Four, John, that 2019, the fundamental data is still strong. Earnings are good. But we do know, whether it's around the corner or a few miles still down the road, in the next few years, we are going to be entering another recession. And your retirement plan, particularly if you're retiring soon in the next five to 10 years, has to be built to endure that. Scott, JFK famously said that the time to fix the roof is when the sun's shining, not when it's raining. Yep. And the sun's shining right now, but we can see some clouds kind of gathering a yeah. little bit. Uh, and we don't know how far those clouds are off on the horizon. I know one of the worst storms that I ever ha- endured at at uh, weather storm at my house, it looked like the storm was way off. And then like in a matter of minutes, it was right on our house. Yeah. And, and and then next thing I know, my chimney toppers in the neighbor's yard. And so it was, <laughs> it, it was headed for Inman's house, but it didn't get there. But, <laughs> but, but you see what I'm saying that you yeah. don't really know how quickly something might come upon you that we could have an out of the blue, extraordinary event like a 9-11 or something that could prompt a recession we could just have a what you would call a natural recession but the time to fix the roof is when the sun is shining and so what we're saying is that it's now time to begin to look at a strategy that can help you to weather the next storm you know i I think it's important to to consider your emotional mindset on this because people don't buy umbrellas when it's sunny Mm -hmm. And we're talking about, you know, the time to fix the roof is when the sun is shining. But Austin, you and I had an appointment earlier this week where when we were talking about one of the, uh, one of the planning instruments that we use to be able to kind of slow some of the volatility, mm-hmm. um, the, the investor was looking at it and thinking, well, I can, I can beat that return. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the reason we're yeah. using it. We're using it more for when you can't beat mm-hmm. that return and when the market goes crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I would just encourage you to think about where you are emotionally because we've seen these charts, guys, over the years where when you go through the roller coaster of mm-hmm. investing, when when we're at a, a peak – 
people are euphoric and they think it's always going to last, but we know it's going to yeah. rain again. And Janet, quite frankly, with that client, they were looking at past performance of the past year and yeah. market was good. Well, I've been I can continue getting this mm-hmm. thinking the sun will continue to shine all the time, all the time. Yeah, and we know what is looming uh, coming for us. Yeah, and and I think that uh, the the prudent thing to do for anyone who is close to retirement is let's just get out of this horse race mentality that yeah. that mm-hmm. I need to beat this return or beat that return or whatever the case may be. It is not about beating the return. It is about providing you regular predictable income yeah. that is not going to get blown up in a bad situation. Uh, yeah, do do you need a belt? Do you need suspenders? Do you need both of them? Probably not. But, you know, if 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 you have been losing weight like I have, you, <laughs> you might, have been. Congratulations, you, you by might, the way. <laughs> you might want to, to be sure that it, your belt is in good shape. And, and maybe if you're not going to wear a belt, you definitely need some suspenders. So obviously, you've got to, to look at a situation and say it's not always going to be this way, Austin. Nothing ever persists forever. We think because we've been in a bull market for 10 years that we're always going to be in a bull market. That is what's called recency bias, and mm-hmm. it is one of the the big mistakes that you can make when you're trying to deal with your portfolio. Yeah, I heard someone kind of use the analogy with this about having uh, kids. You know, you have the first one, you go through the hard grind of it, then it's just long enough down the road, then you realize, let's have another one, and you just remember the rosy times. You don't remember all those late nights you've been up. And- Scott, you went through that. <laughs> I'm remembering it right now as yeah. he says yeah. that. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Well, a a decade has passed. It's interesting you say we're 10 years into the bull market. A decade has passed since we launched into the last Great Recession, as it has since been labeled. And history teaches us that a recession happens about every 10 years. And oddly enough, though, a bear market happens more frequently than that. I think we should draw the distinction. We, you can have a recession yes. and not have a bear market and vice versa. Yeah, there's about 50% of the bear markets that are not necessarily accompanied by a recession. Mm-hmm. Now, they tend to be shorter and they tend to be uh, not as uh, savage on portfolios, but they are still bear markets. We went through uh, basically a bear market in, in no- yeah. November, December. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were down almost 20% in November, December. Now, obviously, that was a very short-lived one, and it bounced right back up, and we're uh, getting close to uh, the, the level where we were before all that started. But you're right, Scott, that, that recessions – and bear markets don't necessarily coincide with each other. But if there is a recession, you can bet that there's going to be a pretty bad bear market. Well, we've got about a minute and a half left before we need to take our first break. I want to talk about the last time that this did happen in 2008, the the Great Recession, as it was since later called. What happened at GenWealth? Obviously, Austin and I weren't here, but I want to talk to John and Janet a little bit about what you guys were doing during that 2008 financial crisis. We did town hall meetings, and we called them that because the the deal was people were scared. They wanted answers to their questions, and there wasn't anybody most of them could ask. And so we got on the radio and said, look, we don't have the answers to everything because if you remember, there was a lot of confusion about what was going on behind the curtain, so to speak, in 2008. That didn't really come clear until later, but we knew more than than the public did. Okay, And so we were able to say, y'all come out, and we will tell you everything we know. And and we didn't lose a single client in 2008. And the reason, I believe to this day, is that we're education-focused. And that's what you will continue to see in good times and in bad. We're here to answer your questions. Education is one of those things, Scott, that, that is a hallmark of Gen Wealth. But also the fact that we are strategy-based. It's not just about throwing some money in investments yeah. and hoping that it works out. We actually have a strategy that we have put together to try to as best as we can, best as humanly possible, to try to weather whatever recessionary storm might come your way. We also have a great interview coming up after the break with Ryan Dietrich from LPL Research. He will be on with us in the next segment talking about the markets, where we stand now, and the near term. And we'll also talk to him about uh, some of the things LPL does to monitor when that next recession may be coming. Stick around. More straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money right after this.
Life can be so busy, it's hard to even picture retirement. That's why you need somebody you can trust who will paint that picture and help turn dreams into reality. Plan, personalize, and protect your future with the team at GenWealth. Call 877-341-7355 to schedule an appointment. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From GenWealth Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. Welcome in to our listeners on the Get Ready for the Future show and to our viewers on social media for this fastest four minutes in investing segment once again. Scott Inman along with John Shrewsbury. Glad to have you with us. We're going to talk about the Fed today uh, in the Fastest Four. We've got Ryan Dietrich on the radio show coming up in just a few moments, and we're going to go in-depth on all things investing and markets and economic-related. And in today's Get Ready for the Future show, we're talking about when that next recession may come, John. And, and one of the things that people, I think, get worried about is when the interest rates start going up, when the Fed hikes the borrowing rates, we are really headed towards a recession. And we're going to share this later in the radio show, but for our social media audience, audience, historically, it has taken an average of 47 months to enter a recession after the first rate hike of the cycle. And that was a year or so ago, right? So if you, if you take that average, we're still a long way from the Fed rate hike bringing an end to the bull market and sending us in to a recession. And a lot of the reason is, is they've been very careful about how they do it. Well, and and let's be clear, I, I have a knot in my neck from the sudden change of pace with the Fed when they were going this way as far as rates were concerned. Then all of a sudden they do this about face yep. and, and decided, oh, well, we really didn't mean that we were going to raise rates. And everybody got upset at them about maybe being a more aggressive mm-hmm. rate increase to try to get back to normal. But let's be clear about something else. We're still not near normal as far as rates are concerned. And so uh, there is an interesting dynamic going on here. But the Fed has, for now, uh, put on this swift reversal of expectations. And they now say that they're going to to pause and they're going to kind of see how things go. And and they're not going to be nearly as adventuresome in raising rates as they first indicated. Now, if the Fed is done raising rates for the foreseeable future, Scott, uh, policymakers are implying that we've reached this neutral rate where you know they're they're it's about right they they're not allowing the economy to overheat and to to get you know all the excesses of the over index that we look at but they're also trying to move in a more normal direction where there is a healthy amount of interest being charged on money these days and so the fed is playing this interesting game and and it is great theater to watch it's not so good on the neck when they make those reversals, but that's where we are right now. Not a real clear indication uh, for sure where the Fed's going, but for the foreseeable future, it looks like that we're at least at a at a loggerhead. And do you think that maybe that has had uh, something to do with the way the market has rebounded early on in, in January or, or early on in February, too? Because this this language has really been associated with their late January meeting. Yeah, and I think that that the 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 market likes cheap money, and I think that that the market does like for the Fed to be more clear about things, and they don't like an aggressive posture for the Fed. Uh, John Lynch, the chief investment strategist for LPL Financial, uh, says that uh, he thinks that the U.S. economy could digest future gradual rate hikes based on solid economic conditions. But some people are going, well, I'm not sure about solid economic conditions. Despite the fact that all the economy really looks to be pretty good, uh, they're kind of concerned about that. And then if you pour a rate hike on top of it, they're afraid that that might tip us into a recession. Since we're talking about recession on the Get Ready for the Future show this week, that's the, the real fear as far as the Fed is concerned, that we might get tipped into a recession because of an aggressive rate stance. The bottom line, you don't want corporations hesitant to borrow to invest in their company if if the rates go up too fast, absolutely too quickly. That's it for the fastest four minutes in investing. Thanks for watching on social media and the Get Ready for the Future show continues after this. 
The road to financial independence isn't easy, but it starts here. Back with more financial wisdom from the Gen Wealth team after the break. You're listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. From the studios of the Gen Wealth Radio Network, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. On today's show, talking about an all-weather plan for your retirement as we talk about the recession that could be looming, whether it's around the corner or miles down the road. And we're going to talk about the here and now and maybe talk a little bit about that recession likelihood as we are joined on the Get Ready for the Future show right now by Ryan Dietrich. Uh, He is the senior market strategist for LPL Research, and he is a frequent, frequent guest to the Get Ready for the Future show joining us this morning. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Hi, guys. Welcome. I'm glad to be back. It's, it's been a month already. I get to come on every month. I'm really excited to be back to talk uh, markets and investments with you. Well, we appreciate you doing it, as always. And we're going to kind of talk uh, short-term and then maybe a little bit of long-term as we talk a little bit about LPL's over-index. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. But when you talk about an all-weather plan and you talk about the sun shining or rain falling, we've we've seen the clouds part. Since uh, the last part of 2018, that's for sure. It was a, a rainy last quarter of 2018, but it has certainly been a turnaround since Christmas Eve. Talk a little bit about what's driving that, and where do we go from here? Boy, rainy might even be a nice way to put what happened in the fourth <laughs> quarter, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so last uh, we dropped 14% on the S&P in the fourth quarter. That was one of the, was the worst fourth quarter since the Great Recession. And December was actually the worst month of the year last year for the S&P 500. That never happened in history. So just think about those things right there. That tells you how rough what happened was. But then just fast forward, you know, we just had the best January in 30 years. So we had obviously a very big bounce. And there's, you know, a couple different factors that are in there. You know, clearly we had the big plunge in oil in November of last year. We had a disconnect with the Fed and markets. I think we're probably going to get more into that here in a little bit. And just the China concerns and all those things really hit home. And then the government shutdown, obviously, in the fourth quarter. All those things hit and it's led to that massive sell-off. But the really good news, guys, fundamentals. We, we are looking at a really solid earnings season right now. Uh, some of those concerns have been alleviated a little bit. We can get into more. But, again, the bottom line is, are we going to have a recession in 2019? You know, we're having record earnings, solid earnings growth. Once again, in the first quarter, companies are making money. And we do not see a recession happening. And sure enough, when markets worry like in the fourth quarter, they can bounce back just as quickly. And that is exactly what we've seen so far in our 2019. Ryan, Scott mentioned uh, he referenced an all-weather plan, and that's really what we try to do for our clients here at GenWealth. And today on the show, we're, we're talking about steps to take to recession-proof your retirement. So can you take us behind the scenes a little bit with your team at LPL Research, since you guys are, are actually responsible for asset allocation and investment selection of hundreds of different portfolios? What will your team actually do when the next recession does begin to show itself? Well, that's, that is obviously a great question. And we'll get more defensive, right? I mean, we look at various different factors to kind of determine the business cycle and how much potential length there is left. And the good news, like we said, we do think there's we're probably at least another year, maybe two years away from a recession. But if and when those worrisome signs start to build in, you know, we'll we'll, um, we'll kind of go a little more defensive. We, we, this year, we like cyclicals. We like large caps. You know, we will go more defensive and get some of those defensive names. You can obviously expand your portfolios to get increased bond exposure, which, you know, hey, in the fourth quarter, what happened? Bonds did pretty well. You know, stocks did not. So there's always a, a place for fixed income in someone's uh, portfolio. So we'll do anything majorly drastic. No, we'll just do some tilts, right? We'll just tilt a little bit more toward fixed income, get out of some of the more aggressive areas on equities, and get into some of the more defensive areas on equities. But again, the good news, we don't think we're close to having to worry about that necessarily uh, this year. But clearly, you know, this is a 10-year economic cycle of growth, the longest economic cycle of growth we've seen since World War II. That'll happen this summer. We know this is an old bull market. This is an old economic cycle. Eventually, it will have to go into a recession, but we just don't think we're there yet. 
We're speaking with Ryan Dietrich. He is the Senior Market Strategist from LPL Research, kind enough to join us every month on the Get Ready for the Future show. And we're talking about those uh, those headwinds that could lead to a recession at some point uh, down the road. And, you know, when we talk about how are we going to try to predict that, and obviously there's no certain way to do that, but bull markets, we've, we're going to talk about some myths on with regard to when they would possibly end later in the show. But one of the things that we utilize is the over-index that LPL Research has created and, and, and the idea that bull markets end because of excess, over-borrowing, over-confidence, over-spending. Ryan, can you talk a little bit about how that was created from LPL Research's perspective and, and why? Well, absolutely. So the over-index, again, that's looking for those excesses. What we found when we looked back at every single recession back to World War II, what you tend to see is not an old bull market. That doesn't mean it has to stop. It's the excesses, the overspending, the over-leverage, the overconfidence that you talk about. In the 1980s, guys, we had a spending problem. 1990s was a confidence problem. Last decade clearly was a leverage problem in the um, in the in the, in the in the markets, and that's what led to the Great Recession. So when you have those overs and those extensions, that is what can stop economic cycles, not necessarily the age of the bull market. So fast forward to what we're seeing right now. You know, we aren't seeing anywhere near the spending that we've seen at major market peaks. You know, people are still kind of shell-shocked from the Great Recession. Leverage, it's getting up there a little bit. The companies could be 40 to 1 leverage 10 years ago. Now they're only 8 to 1 due to some new rules that are in play. And the one that does worry us is overconfidence. Consumer confidence is high. Small business confidence is high. CEO confidence is high. Those things sound good on paper, right? But it's when you get some of those extensions and a little too much excitement, that can be worrisome. So the so the confidence is the one that concerns us. The other two, though, spending and leverage, are not anywhere near what we've seen at major market peaks. And again, we just simply overall are not seeing the same overs and excesses that we've seen at previous major market peaks to end a um, economic cycle. So that's hopefully a good thing for continued growth here. So, Ryan, at this point, things are going pretty well here in the U.S. We've we've had a good little turnaround uh, after the, the downturn at the end of last year. But let's talk about Europe a little bit because they continue to struggle with deteriorating economic activity at this point. What do you expect as far as that continuing or not? And what implications are there for our investors? Well, great question there. And the bottom line on Europe, I've been at LPL for three years, for three years now. And the one question we continually get is, when are you guys going to go into Europe? When are you going to go into developed markets? And we haven't. We've been underweight our models and our portfolios, and we continue to be. When we look at Europe, you know, and actually, they have some, some good news out of Europe all of a sudden the last week or so. They've had some pretty good earnings and a pretty good bounce. But bottom line, we think Europe will probably continue to underperform the United States. Look at Brexit. Look at some of the demographics, the slowing growth. Um, there's concerns there. And then what happened, you know, Germany just barely missed a recession. That's the largest part, obviously, of Europe. Italy is the third largest bond market in the world, and they've got a lot of trouble. So there's a lot of fundamental concerns we still have with Europe. But at the same time, like I said just recently, they've had some pretty good earnings. I mean, there is a chance, guys, that Europe will actually have better earnings growth in 2019 than the United States. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there is a chance of that. So there is some, some little beacons of light there. And then, let's be honest, if Europe is improving and strengthening, that's only a good thing for the overall global economy. Uh, we still think emerging markets and the United States are going to be better investments. That's how we're positioning our portfolios in 2019 than developed markets, specifically Europe. But overall, um, there's just better opportunities in Europe, in our opinion. Ryan Dietrich is our guest, a senior market strategist for LPL Research on the Get Ready for the Future show on this Saturday. And when we come back at home, uh, Ryan, let's talk about the Fed. Uh, obviously, about a, about a year ago uh, or so, we were talking about multiple rate hikes over the course of 2018. Safe to say, I guess, confusing signals from the Fed over the past 90 days or so. Uh, are you comfortable now that, that the Fed has settled on a, on a more cautious approach to raising interest rates in the near term? Well, we sure are. And actually, we have a, I guess we'll call it a birthday in the House. Uh, Jerome Powell became the Fed chairman on February 8th of last year. So we're right about there for his one year, one year on the job for Jerome Powell. And you talk about it in October, what happened? Jerome Powell made the comment, long way from neutral. What did that mean? The market took it that, oh my goodness, there's going to be maybe four more rate hikes in 2019, is kind of what the thought was in early October. And you think about it, that was October 3rd. That's really when all that volatility and sell-off started in equity markets in early October of the last quarter. And then in December, December 19th, 
at the Fed meeting, Jerome Powell in the Q&A made the comment about autopilot regarding the balance sheet runoff. Keeping this real simple, market panic. That was the worst one-hour sell-off we had all of last year after he made that comment during the Q&A session after the um, FOMC meeting. And again, it was concerns that the Fed wasn't really looking at all the data as well as they could. I mean, it's never that simple, but that's, hey, market sold off. That's what matters. Now you fast forward to January, and all of a sudden the Fed's really come around. They're saying, you know, in our opinion, we probably don't have another rate hike this year. That doesn't mean we don't have um, another rate hike in this cycle, potentially next year, but we really do think the Fed has taken their foot off the pedal, and obviously the markets are really uh, kind of seeing eye to eye. Look at look what happened in early, or I'm sorry, late 2015, early 2016. Oil got crushed. China concerns. You had a Fed disconnect, and in early 16, some of those things changed and had a big rally. We see a lot of similarities with what happened in early 16 with what's happening right now. Um, so, you know, could that happen again with China using more fiscal policy, with the Fed seeing eye to eye, with oil stabilizing? You know, history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme, and we think there's a possibility of that. Ryan, the last time we had you on the show, we were in the midst of a very long government shutdown, and the clock is ticking at this point on another possibility of that. So what's your view on the chances of another shutdown, and does it make an impact on the market since the last one was creating some significant concerns for people? Yeah, you're right, Janet. I mean, the last one, let's just take a look at it, it was 35 days long, and about 25% of the government was shut down. S&P actually gained 10.3%. You know, we talked about it then, saying, you know, historically, markets tend to take government shutdowns and shutdowns in stride. And our opinion about could there be another one here coming up in the next couple of weeks, we really don't think so. We think both sides want to come to the table, and they saw the negatives that came from that shutdown. Um, when you look at consumer confidence and some other things that happened in the fourth quarter. So we don't think we're going to have one. But even if we did, you know, what we found, again, is markets seem to take it in stride. And you could have – we could almost have a half a GDP um, – uh, half a percent of GDP off of due to the um, government shutdown that we just had. What we found, though, in the studies we did, the next quarter or two, you just make it up usually. So you can have – you know, government makes up 10 percent of overall spending in GDP. So that's a big part, obviously, with GDP. So – if you don't have the government spending because it's shut down, hey, that's, that's a little bit of the economy. At the same time, though, it usually just seems like markets take it in stride. It's not that big a deal. But still, a 35-day government shutdown, 800,000 people are getting paid. We're not minimizing the impacts of that. It just seems like, the mar- you know, again, S&P gained 10% during the shutdown. I don't think anyone totally would have expected that. At the same time, it's what happens. Ryan, we've just got a few seconds left, uh, but as we let you go, I do want to give you an opportunity to tell uh, folks who are listening today a way to uh, get some information from LPL Research. I know you guys are active on social media. Well, that's right, yeah. We're on Twitter. I'm at Ryan Dietrich, R-Y-A-N-D-E-T-R-I-C-K, and at LPL Research. And actually, we have a new podcast, LPL Market Signals. You can go to iTunes, listen to John Lynch and myself. He's our chief investment strategist, talk markets every single week on LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan, thanks always for joining us. We'll talk to you next month. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You're listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. More where that came from after the break. You've got questions. We've got answers. Email info at getreadyforthefuture.com with your name, location, and question to get a response on the air from the GenWealth team. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. GenWealth Financial Advisors with offices all across the state in West Little Rock, Bryant, Hot Springs, El Dorado, and also in Northwest Louisiana. There's an advisor near you. If you're hearing my voice today, you can connect with them by calling our office number, 501-653-7355. That's 501-653-7355. Or you can reach out via email, info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Talking today about recession-proofing your retirement. Building a plan, although no strategy uh, can protect your portfolio or can ensure the protection of your portfolio, but we are talking about building an all-weather plan in today's show to be ready for those violent times in the market and in the economy. And we just had a great interview with Ryan Dietrich to talk a little bit about where we are now and where he thinks and where LPL Research thinks things are positioned for 2019. And fundamentally, the underlying, the underpinning of the uh, economy is still strong for the short term. But we're talking about the differences, the long term. And as John mentioned in the first segment, the time to fix the roof is when the sun is shining. 
and people certainly need to hear this because if you look at some data here that we have in front of us, a new study from the Consumer Bankruptcy Project, it's revealed that the rate of people 65 and older filing for bankruptcy is three times what it was in 1991. We've talked on this show a lot about the retirement crisis, that people are not saving for retirement. And I think that stat, John, really kind of highlights where you could go from there if you haven't saved and if you haven't planned for an all-weather retirement. Well, let's face it, that if you are in your accumulation years, and what are your accumulation years? It's from the time that you actually start earning money all the way up to, I'm going to say, about five years away from retirement. Now, you're still accumulating a little bit, but you're not as as you know uh, likely to, to continue to do that into the right. future. But in those accumulation years, you want to save as much money as you can. And, and frankly, if you've got a recession coming, and you got a bear market coming, that actually helps people who are accumulating money. It's an opportunity for sure. Um, this is another conversation that Austin and I had um, with somebody this week. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking about dollar cost averaging that, you know, as the as the markets are fluctuating in value, that when the markets go down, and I'm saying the markets, but whatever you're invested yeah. in, okay, so whatever your holdings are, when those go down, then that same amount of money, if you're putting in $200 a, a month, then that same amount of money is going to buy more shares when it's down in value. And obviously, you know, we have to give compliance their fair say here to yeah. say that, you know, dollar cost averaging is not going to ensure a, a gain. Mm-hmm. It's not going to keep you from losing money. But you need to understand the concept that when the prices are low, then you're going to get more shares. And when they're high, you're going to get fewer shares. So look at it as an opportunity if you're yeah, younger. And- what I hear there is consistency is key and all this, especially right. in the accumulation phase. It's just like if you go on a diet or a workout plan, if you're inconsistent with it, your results are going to be inconsistent. Yeah, absolutely. And so same rules apply as you're accumulating for your retirement. And you got to ride it out. If, exactly. If, if the recession's coming mm-hmm. and when it happens and you're younger, you got to ride it out in your accumulation stage. But when you get closer to retirement, the reverse is true. Yeah, you, you do not want mm-hmm. the volatility because all of a sudden you're having to take money out of your portfolio. And if you've got a set amount of money that you need to come out of your portfolio and the market goes down, you got to sell more shares of your portfolio in order to generate that fixed amount of income. And so, you know, the volatility is something you want to stay away from. And so that really leads us to what we uh, conceptualize in the form of a house. And that is the foundation of your retirement income. You're guaranteed need for income in retirement. What do you need your income to do. Well, you need it to pay your bills. You need it to pay your grocery bill. You need to pay your electric bill. If you've got a mortgage in retirement, you need that very predictable income to come in. So what you got to do is you've simply got to add those things up and figure out what your retirement income need budget looks like. And, you know, there's a magic dollar amount out there that you'll be okay after you have that much income. So let's say that that's $5,000 a month. Then on the other side of the balance sheet, you basically just say, all right, well, how much income do I have that I can depend on? Like Social Security, for example. So if you have a pension, you know, plug that in there. But, you know, very, very few people that are not government workers have pensions these days. And so if you're fortunate enough to have a pension, put that in there. But then put in your social security because everybody is eligible to have social security almost everybody anyway and so you add those things up on the other side of the equation you say okay i've got five thousand dollars of need but wait a minute i've only got four thousand dollars of actual income now you have to make up the difference now you have to fill the gap that thousand dollars a month how do you make sure that you can always rely on that $1,000 a month to be there. You can't do it with stocks. You can't do it with bonds because none of that is guaranteed. You can't do it with gold. There's no income component to gold. The only way you can really do that is to look at some type of guaranteed income product. Now, which one is right for you? That takes some analysis. You need to, to, to go and sit down with an advisor and figure out what that looks like. But you've got to solidify that income base 
as long as you've got enough income to pay your bills, you can kind of do away with the, the, the things that you want your retirement income to do as long as those needs are met. Yeah, absolutely. You've got, and, and a lot of people, frankly, don't know what it takes to meet those. So that's an important conversation to begin having with your spouse. And we can help you through that. And then when you talk about analyzing that required income need and making sure that that need is filled, if that if there is a gap there, then there may be a part of your portfolio that can be used to create a guaranteed income stream for the money that has to be there. And John alluded to that house. The next level in the house, once the foundation is set, is talking about what we call desired income. This is the, the dream money. Maybe dream's too strong a word, but it's the discretionary income. It's what you want to do on a, a monthly basis, like if it's spoiling grandkids with gifts, if it's travel. I've been I've become fond of saying some folks want to go to Paris, France. Some people want to go to Paris, Arkansas. So it's a very different yeah, number it is. depending on what your desire is. And that needs to be consistent. Yeah, it does. And, and you know, let's think about the word pullback, recession. Uh, all of these things basically dictate that you are stopping doing some activity that you were doing before. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you go out to recess at school, you're not doing schoolwork anymore. You're going out to play. Right. So a recession is you're not playing anymore. You're really just kind of taking care of business. And the same analogy holds true with your personal finance. Back in 2008, Janet, people weren't going on trips. That's right. People weren't spending money frivolously. People weren't buying expensive cars. They were hunkering down and pulling in and just taking care of the basic necessities of life. That's what the main part of your retirement portfolio has to do. That's take care of that basic necessities of life. And if necessary, Austin, you can pull back on some of the, the more frivolous things. Yeah, it's it's having that discipline that you establish in your accumulation years to understand that, okay, I don't need to just overspend and spend, spend, spend. It's right. pulling back when needed. If you develop that habit early, it's there in retirement as well. Because uh, we meet with a lot of clients who that discretionary income, Scott, that you talk about, they tell us, I'm good. I don't I don't need to take that income now. And they just want to reinvest it because they've developed those habits earlier in life. Mm-hmm. Well, when you talk about what the last recession, the great recession of 2008 has taught us, it is that a withdrawal strategy from an allocation portfolio. Let's let's talk about that. A 60-40 mix, right? 60% equities or stock exposure and 40% fixed income or bond exposure. A withdrawal strategy, a simple withdrawal strategy works until it doesn't. Yes. And there are varying percentages, depending upon what your allocation is, varying probabilities of success. Mm-hmm. And I've seen them, you know, well, that's got about an 82% success rate. Do you really want your entire retirement to be based on an 82% success rate? Oh, not a good well, feeling. What about those other 18% that yeah. didn't make <laughs> yeah. it? How do, yeah. I, <laughs> how do I avoid being in that 18% that didn't make it? That's not what you want, especially for the money that you need to have coming in to pay those basic living expenses, the, those required income dollars that we talk about. And that goes back to that goes back to what you were talking about earlier in the show, John, too. We have to get off of this mentality of chasing a rate of return. We are seeking an outcome here, and the outcome is we want to get closer to 100% than 82%. We don't want to run out of money before we run out of time. When you talk about the top of the house, so we've talked about the uh, required income or the foundation of your retirement income house. We've talked about the middle of the house. That's the framing, the rooms where the memories are made. That's what we call our desired income. So we're adding the required income and the desired income to come up with a monthly net number that you are going to live on in retirement. But a big concern for a lot of folks, too, is how much am I going to leave behind? That's your legacy, and that's the top of the house, the attic of the house. And that is a different thing, a different number for for all of us as well. But it also serves two components. Having that bucket of money, if you will, at the end of a 25-year retirement can be your legacy if you don't make it to through all 25 years of retirement, but it can also be a reset button if you do. Yeah. You know, one of the uh, best motivators for young people in Austin, you might want to tune in on this. Okay. One of the best motivators that I've heard for young people to be saving for their retirement mm-hmm. is their parents are actually sitting down with us saying, look, if there's anything left, that's okay, but we're going to take care yes. of me first. I'm not and, here to make my kids wealthy. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> yeah. and, and, I've, and I've met with younger younger individuals my generation quite frankly who are banking 
on that parent's retirement income. That's a conversation Ooh. altogether. Hold, hold up, hold up. Mm. We're yeah. just going to act like that's not there because you don't know what they're doing right now. And so that is, let's Nor start. Nor do you know what health exactly. problems that they may exactly. crop up with. Exactly. Yeah. They may have every intention of leaving mm-hmm. you money and not be able to, or yes. you may not know that they have absolutely zero intention of leaving exactly. you a dime. Exactly. They've told us these things. <laughs> yeah. So, so, <laughs> so for all those younger investors out there, uh, heed this warning and, and start now on your, yeah. 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 And, you know, there are there are a lot of factors that come into play there. But one of the biggest factors is after taxes, you know, especially yeah. most people's wealth in this day and time is, IRA, is money. IRA money, pre-tax money. Yeah. And so after Uncle Sam has his hand in the pocket yep. for you to get yours, it's uh, pretty slim yep. in most cases. Your retirement income house is part of the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. If you're five to 10 years out, it becomes very imperative for you to build that all weather plan. If you'd like to learn more about that, you could set up your first complimentary appointment with a Gen Wealth advisor near you. You can reach out one of two ways. You can call us. At 501-653-7355. Again, it's 501-653-7355. Or email us. Just send it to info at getreadyforthefuture.com. And again, that first appointment is absolutely free to sit down and consult with a Gen Wealth financial advisor and begin the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. Well, we've talked about building that all-weather plan. But again, a little bit more on when. What do we know about when that next recession may come next? Have a financial question? Want answers? Email info at getreadyforthefuture.com with your name, your location, and your question. And we'll answer your question on the air. More straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money coming at you. We're back with the Get Ready for the Future show. Talking about building an all-weather retirement plan that is ready to withstand the next recession and when that next recession may be coming. That's the topic of today's Get Ready for the Future show, our final segment as we wrap things up here today. And I want to remind you about an opportunity to learn more about what big risks are associated with retiring into another recession or into a bear market, if that's the case. We have an opportunity for you to learn more on February 28th, that's coming up less than three weeks from now, at Mike's Place in Conway. So I want to draw your attention if you're a listener of the Get Ready for the Future show in Moralton or Greenbrier, Conway, Mayflower, that's very close to you. Mike's Place will be in the private room at the restaurant and have an opportunity at 6.30 on February 28th to learn more about the three big risks. Education is the focus on this. Information is the focus on this. We are not here to sell you anything. We're not at Mike's Place to sell you anything. Free to attend. All you have to do to register is go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com. Just let us know you're coming. So if you know someone uh, in that area that has February 28th available, please mark that down on your calendar and make plans to join us and learn about those three big risks. We also have other uh, Gen Wealth Academy workshops coming up all spring long at different locations all across the state. To find out about that again, our website is getreadyforthefuture.com. We're talking about that all-weather plan, and it's sort of a chapter in the book, really multiple chapters in the book that John and Janet have out called Your Retirement Should Be More. There is a chapter specifically called More Confident. It's a chapter in that book, and and we want to give away some copies of that book today to the first five people to email us right now. So if you're listening to the show, go to your computer and send an email to info at getreadyforthefuture.com and say, I want that book. And we'll get you a free copy of the book, Your Retirement Should Be More. Every chapter, John, in your book Starts with more different ways your retirement should be more and more confident is the one we've kind of highlighted today. Who doesn't want more? Everybody wants more. And I would love to be more confident about my retirement. You want to be more confident about your retirement. And the only way you can do that is put a plan together and really think through what it's going to take for you to have an income that you can feel confident about. Absolutely. And planning is the key. And that's why we're structured as we are. We're, we are not set up to just jump in and say, Hey, for you, here's the situation. Here's what you need. We want to understand your situation first. If you're going to be confident about your situation, you need an advisor who understands where you are. We talked to Ryan Dietrich earlier in this broadcast about the possible win of that next recession and how we might 
indicate when that's coming. We want to bust a couple of myths here before we go. We've got three uh, that are really common that float out there as far as what people believe about when recessions may occur. And one of them is myth number one is bull markets end because of age. They don't, they don't die of natural causes or they don't die because they're too old. There has to be a reason. Every economic cycle, John, does go up and go down, but the length of it doesn't just stop. The bull market doesn't just stop because it's a certain age. The last longest bull market before this one actually went almost 10 years. This one has been going 10 years. And so, you know, there will be another one that at some point in time goes 11 years or, or 12 years or whatever the case may be. Time is not the issue. If the economy is handled properly, if things are done properly for the economy to sustain itself, then that elongates the economic cycle. Right. And uh, essentially, we've had uh, that elongation being uh, going on uh, in one form or fashion since March 9th of 2009. And so we've been chugging along here and we feel like we're close to the end and we feel like that there are some things on the horizon that could portend a pullback, a pause in the bear run, a recession, if you want to call it that. Uh, you know, but a lot of people are just hung up these days on, well, things are just really crazy. Well, tell me a time when things weren't really yeah. crazy. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't think about things being really crazy, but, you know, things were really crazy back in JFK's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, think mm-hmm. about the Cuban Missile Crisis. How crazy was that? We all were, you know, and I, I, I was very, very young back then, but I can remember fallout shelters. Mm-hmm. I can remember the threat of nuclear war. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really not a looming threat in this day and time that that we have somebody 90 miles off our coast with a yeah. nuclear warhead we just don't really have that this day and time so you know there have always been things that their craziness going on in the world that are reasons not to invest always been that way and and time of a bull market is just a myth that that that's what's going to blow up a bull market it doesn't do that it does it because of excesses which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes myth number 2 market shocks cause recessions and you've already kind of alluded to that there's always something that's going to shock a market temporarily we've seen a lot just in the last few years greece's debt default the, the brexit vote a couple of summers back but it didn't derail the economy it didn't derail the bull market it just was a hiccup along the way janet loves to tell the story when we were at an lpl conference uh several 2011. years ago yeah 2011 say we were in uh, chicago as a matter of fact uh we'd had a great first day meeting and all of a sudden, the uh, that was on a Sunday. On Monday, uh, they downgraded the U.S. debt rating. And the place cleared out like, I don't know, like somebody had dropped a stink bomb in a bar or something like that. <laughs> it, was just, it was crazy how yeah. so many people, advisors. advisors, ran to the airport to get back home to trade their their clients' accounts and what have you. And you know what? It was over within a week. Yeah, it was. And so those advisors and their clients were being reactive rather than proactive. We know there's going to be another Brexit. There's going to be another, you know, Greece deal. There's going to be another China, another mm-hmm. Cuba. You name it, whatever it is. I like to call it the crisis du jour. You know, it, it, it's just going to change its title, but there will be some crisis where there's a dip. It's okay. Stick to your plan and plan for those things to happen. Yeah. And when those happen, always remember that when you see those talking heads on TV freaking out, the sky's falling. Those drive ratings. Mm-hmm. That's why they give you that kind of news. So don't panic again, like Janet, Janet said, plan for this. Myth number three, and I think this one's appropriate, especially where we are now. The Federal Reserve rate hikes cause recessions. And quite frankly, I think that many people bought into this in the last quarter of 2018 because that was a major concern and maybe even part of the reason the markets dropped. But like market shocks, these cause short-term volatility. And listen to this. Historically speaking, and that's not indicative of future results, but it has taken an average of 47 months to enter a recession after the first rate hike of the cycle. So almost four years. Yes. Mm So is there a cause and effect after 47 months? I don't think so. Well, uh, here's here's what I do know. Uh, you know obviously, stock traders like cheap money. Yeah. They, they do, uh, and we all like cheap money. The thing that you fear 
about rate hikes is that you would choke off economic growth. How does that happen? Well, Janet, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to expand your factory, you might want to borrow money. But if the cost of borrowing goes up to the point that you don't expand your factory and you don't hire people, then that creates a, a wet blanket on the economy. And that is what most folks don't really understand. It's not just the rate hike. It is the effect of a rate hike. Now, are rate hikes good? Yes. I think that the Fed does need to normalize rates, but they need to do it slowly. Mm-hmm. Bert White talked to me about this one time about the Fed had kind of painted itself into a corner here and we got to let the paint dry slowly and tiptoe out, you know, as, as the paint dries, maybe fan that paint a little bit and make sure that, that it's dry before you step out on it. And I think what the markets got upset about was, was the Fed getting too uh, ambitious in their in their paint fanning, or were they stepping on wet paint as they tried to hike rates too soon, too fast, and too much? Guys, I want to talk about averages for just a minute, and and talk about maybe a non financial example. But for just a moment, let's go back to the Federal Reserve deal. We said it's taken historically, it's taken an average of forty seven months to enter a recession after the first rate hike of the cycle. We've talked about the average length of bull markets in the past. Let me let me go off point for just a moment to help you understand this. Let's talk about average life expectancy back in the seventeen hundreds. Founding fathers, that time period. Okay. If you got an average life expectancy, it was pretty low number. I don't know it off the top of my head, but the reason that it was a low number is there were a lot of infants who died. There were a lot of children who died. But if you made it through those early years, mm-hmm then you had a pretty good shot at living a long life, living into your 80s and beyond. It was not at all unheard of. So we have this misperception that the average is what we need to expect. Mm -hmm. We've been through some storms. We've lived through a lot of these changes in the past decade, and the bull is still running. Forget the averages. They mean nothing. Pay attention to the fundamentals. And we believe what does cause a bull market to end is a reaction to the fundamentals, an imbalance in the three components that drive economic growth. And we talked with Ryan a little bit about that. And if you missed that interview, be sure to go back and check out our podcast. You can get it on iTunes or Stitcher. But the over-index, John, is what LPL Research has crafted to follow overborrowing, overconfidence, and overspending. Basically, excess is what brings the end to a bull market. We've all been to the party where things kind of got out of hand, right? Everybody was having excess. a good time. Everybody was I've saying, never done that. <laughs> sure you haven't. You might have been the reason it got out of hand. <laughs> but but we've all been there, right? We've all seen that 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 movie where, you know, everything gets crazy and then all of a sudden, you know, something gets broke and then everybody leaves or whatever. But but it's the excesses that really get you in trouble. So what are the excesses in the economy? You spend too much, you borrow too much, and you are over exuberant about, hey, things are just always going to be good. Let's just charge ahead, you know, and, and do whatever. You can't do that. When you see those excesses happening in the economy, that's when you got to go, all right, it is time to really pay attention because a recession could be coming. The time to fix the roof is when the sun is shining. Build that all-weather plan. If you'd like to go through the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process, reach out to us. We hope you've enjoyed today's Get Ready for the Future show, and we'll be back again next week. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 844-869-PLAN. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of Gen Wealth Financial Advisors and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIP. We'll